0: The text for this morning's worship service is taken from Ecclesiastes 11, verses 9 and 10, and chapter 12, verse 1. Let's read those verses once again. Be happy, young man, while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these things God will bring you to judgment. So then banish anxiety from your heart. And cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. And then after the sermon we will sing from hymn 10, the stanzas 9 and 10. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, And that especially includes you young people. The text of this morning's service addresses the youth as a separate group. The Bible does not often do that. We're all members of God's covenant people. And as such, whatever we find in God's word applies to all of us. Yet we do find on occasion that special groups are mentioned in the Bible that's also what we encounter here in this text. The teacher deems it necessary to specifically address the young people. He knows what the young people are like. They are strong, full of vigor, they are full of life, they're inquisitive, they're also adventuresome, for young people want to experience new things. And they don't necessarily want to do things according to the tried and true way or in the way that their parents have done them. And so they also tend to be impatient, impatient to get on with life. But they're also inexperienced in life and therefore run the risk of making big mistakes that will haunt them for the rest of their lives. And so the preacher has some wise words for them. And it's good to apply these words today, especially during a special worship service where we have eight young people in front of us who are about to declare before God and his people that they want to live their whole lives according to the glory of God. This is an exciting and joyful day for everyone. First of all, an exciting and joyful day for these young people themselves. But it's also a joyful and exciting day for their parents and their other believing relatives and friends. Indeed, it's a joyful day for the whole church. But we are not the only ones who are doing the rejoicing here. God in heaven and his angels rejoice as well. For today you are about to declare that you want nothing to do with the kingdom of Satan and that you want everything to do with the kingdom of God. And God has graciously brought you to that point in your life. Yet a day like this also brings with it some apprehension and trepidation. For we all know how attractive the kingdom of Satan is. We know that this world is under the control of the evil one and that he has many attractive things to offer. Satan will do everything in his power to draw these young people away from God and his people and his kingdom. But don't worry, the Lord God will never abandon you. The only way that your relationship with the Lord your God can be broken is if you yourself turn your back on him. And it is also easy to remain close to God. For he does give you many things to enjoy. As a matter of fact, the teacher tells you to let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth and to follow the ways of your heart. In other words, enjoy whatever you lay your eyes on. Employ all your senses as you discover the myriad of things that you can enjoy. Don't hold back, says the teacher. There's a whole world out there to be discovered. And there is so much to be enjoyed that you won't be able to discover them all, even if you lived to be a thousand years old. But, and you knew that was coming, the teacher also gives a warning. He has to, not in order to put a damper on it all, but in order to make sure that you do not go after things that can destroy you. He wants you to be able to strike a good balance. It is so easy to be blinded and to think that you are doing the right thing, when in reality you are doing the wrong thing. You fool yourself into thinking that you are allowed to enjoy certain things, which in reality you are not. Just think about what happened in paradise. Adam and Eve were fooled into thinking that it was okay. To eat of that one tree in the garden that the Lord God had forbidden them to eat from somehow Satan was able to convince them that it would be alright and they fell for it what a disaster and so you need to be trained you need to know what to enjoy and how to enjoy it and that's what I will preach to you about this morning the theme is as follows live your life to the fullest with joy And discernment. And then we will see three things. First of all, that you must be happy. In the second place, that you must be at peace. And in the third place, that you must be watchful. Live your life to the fullest with joy and discernment. Be happy, be at peace, be watchful. After this point, the preacher has made quite a few observations about life under the sun. He has experienced it all. You name it. He's enjoyed good wine and women, beautiful dwellings and gardens, delicious food and drink, and the best entertainment imaginable. He also saw the other side of the coin. He saw the injustices in life. He saw the many things that can go wrong. He noticed that some people sometimes go to an early grave, even though they had lived godly lives, whereas the wicked lived longer. And others who also live righteous lives nevertheless experience many difficulties, illnesses, financial setbacks, oppression, physical and mental agony. But for the wicked, things seem to go smoothly. But there is one thing that he noted throughout the whole book. And that there is one fate that befalls them all, namely that everybody goes to the grave. And you see, that is the one refrain that he keeps on repeating. For example, he says in Ecclesiastes 9, verse 11, The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. And you see, it is for that reason that he calls life meaningless or as other translations have it, vanity. And the word especially has the connotation of brevity. When he says that life is meaningless, meaningless, then he means that it is brief, transitory, short-lived. It's like a puff of wind. The one minute it's there and the next minute it's gone. The preacher is typical of those who have most of their life behind them. They look back at it all and wonder where the time has gone. It was only yesterday that I was a young man or a young woman. It was only a short time ago that I was able to do all kinds of things that I can't do anymore. Time has slipped through my fingers. Even you young people should be able to identify with that. Especially when things are going smoothly, then time flies. A week is gone just like that. You hardly remember what you have done in the past week. It's all a blur. You young people should speak to some of the elderly about this sometime. And then they will tell you that it seems only like yesterday that they were young like you. And they will speak to you about their youth as if it was yesterday. Because that's how it is to them. To them, it's not all that long ago. And it is from that perspective that the preacher comes with his message to the young people. If life is this short, he says, then make sure that you spend it wisely. Time and chance happen to us all. But make sure that while you are alive you can enjoy all the things that God gives you to enjoy. Life is short and therefore make the most of it and be happy. Note well that he says that you must be happy while you are young. He does not say that you must be happy because you are young. Oh sure, youth brings with it many pleasures. There are things you can enjoy in your youth that you'll never be able to enjoy in the same way again later on in life. But don't think that life is over after 30. It's not over after 40 or 50 or 60 either. There is still a lot of good living to be done even when you are 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 or even when you are 90 years old. I've spoken to 90-year-old people who still enjoy life. And that's good. Every stage of life brings its own happiness. But the happiness you will experience in your later life will depend on How well you have learned to be happy when you are young. For it is when you are young that you have to learn what makes a person truly happy. When you learn these things in your youth, then it will stay with you into adulthood. In our youthful years, we set a pattern for the rest of our life. It says in Proverbs 22 verse 6, train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. And so if you have learned to be happy while you are young, then that will stay with you the rest of your life. You will have discovered the way to happy living. Now it's true, young people do not always have a joyful time in life. There are many things that can get them down. They have many responsibilities. And they always have adults looking over their shoulder to make sure that that they know what they're doing and that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They have their parents and their teachers, and also if they have a job, their bosses, all telling them what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. And to top it all off, they also have peer pressure to contend with. There is pressure to fit in. There is pressure from all sources to look good and fashionable and successful. There is also the pressure of sexual tension. For a young person, it is hard to find his or her way in life. And all these things, they cause conflict and turmoil. Generally, parents and teachers and others in authority over them have the best in mind for them. And nevertheless, they often do receive conflicting advice. And they're, always not, they're not always treated with love and understanding by others either. Other people want to impose their tastes upon them. And so the young people feel restricted, hemmed in. Those kinds of things can get you down. They can make life difficult. And some young people have a more difficult time than others. And that is why these words of the teacher are so wonderful, so heartwarming, so encouraging. He says, be happy, young man, while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever you eyes see. But this is hard advice for us to follow. What does the preacher mean? It cannot be that he wants us to do whatever comes up in our minds. That we can do whatever we feel like whenever we feel like it. That's not realistic. And the Bible also gives different advice. It says, for example, in Numbers 15, verse 39, you will have these tassels to look at, and so you will remember all the commands of the Lord, that you may obey them and not prostitute yourselves by going After the lusts of your own hearts and eyes. That seems to be contradictory. For on the one hand we are told to follow the ways of our heart and on the other hand we are told not to do so. Is that not a contradiction? What do we do with this? Well that's what I want to deal with in the second point. The preacher wants you to find a good balance in life. The preacher wants you to be at peace. And you can only find peace if sin and the effects of sin are dealt with. For that reason, he says in verse 10, that you must banish anxiety from your heart. Your hearts and your eyes can lead you into sin. For your eyes are the instrument of your heart. In other words, the heart uses your eyes in order to fulfill the heart's desires. When the Bible speaks about your heart, it speaks about that, what lives within you, what makes you tick. And your eyes go looking for what your heart wants. If your heart is set on the right things, then your eyes will also discover them. And then you will be looking for the right kind of things. But if your heart is set on the wrong things, then your eyes will also look for them. At one point, David's eyes led to lust. He saw Bathsheba bathing on the roof, and he desired her. His eyes led him astray because his heart was not right at that moment. David did not do what Job did. For Job said in his book, in chapter 31, verse 1, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. Job trained his heart and his eyes to look for what God gives him to enjoy. Our hearts and our eyes need to be trained. And that is why these young people here in front of us have received extensive instruction. For they have to know what is good and what is evil. For please understand that when the preacher says that you must follow the ways of your heart, that he does not say that you must follow the sinful ways of your heart. No, you have been taught to put God's word into your heart. You have been taught to look for the right things. And that is why you have to also memorize your catechism over the years. And that's why you also hear the Ten Commandments being recited every week. And that is why you have to read God's Word every day. God's Word has to be ingrained in your heart. And if that is the case, then it will also be easier for you to seek the right things in life. Keep meditating on God's Word. Brothers and sisters, young people, boys and girls... It's not as if God, with His commandments, wants to put a damper on everything. It's not as if life is to be a great big bore. On the contrary, the Lord God gives you many, many, many things to enjoy. Don't ever forget that. There is also the danger that we limit ourselves to things to which we should not limit ourselves. That we do not enjoy life in the way that the Lord God intends for us to enjoy life. As Reformed Christians, we can sometimes be too restrictive and have an exaggerated sense of responsibility. As if it is sinful to enjoy the good things in life. As if it is sinful to indulge, to indulge yourself in the wonderful things that God makes available to us some of us for example are afraid to have times of leisure to take holidays and to take time out to enjoy nature some are afraid to spend money on themselves and their loved ones of course there's a danger you can easily go over to the other side we can easily overindulge ourselves that is a big danger and that is why Paul also gives us a warning in Galatians 5 verse 13 where he says You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. And we can also run the danger of making life one great big chore. Some people walk around as if they have the weight of the world on their shoulder. Even some young people are like that. Even in their young age, they look like our Oma, and Opas. God does not want you to do that. God does not want that for the young people either. It's all vanity. In other words, it's fleeting. Life is fleeting. Life is short. Enjoy your life. Learn to do that when you're young. You will be old soon enough. And even then, if you learn it in your youth, you will also do it when you are older. But, says the preacher, you can only have a peaceful existence if you banish anxiety from your heart. He uses an interesting word here in the Hebrew for anxiety. The word has to do with both anger and resentment. All around us we see a lot of angry young people, angry at all kinds of things. Where does that anger come from? Sometimes it comes because of parents who have abused them or exploited them for their own ends. Or they're angry because of the hypocrisy they see all around them at home and at society at large. There are many other reasons for the anger of some young people. And as adults, we have quite a responsibility. We may not restrict our children, our young people, according to our own tastes. Some parents bring their children up in order to live their own dreams through them. And so the parents pressure their children to be someone those children do not want to be. And they also anger their children by being very critical of them for the things that they do, whereas they themselves do the things, do the same things, or even worse. Praise is hard to be found from some parents, and that also leads to anger. And therefore Paul says in Ephesians 5 that we should not provoke our children to anger. And some young people are angry because they choose to be. They are rebellious by nature. They are full of resentment. They don't want any restrictions. Even though they have been given all kinds of freedom and leeway, they're still angry. And some people retain that anger even when they are older. For they are not getting what they want. They always have something to prove. And they're always full of resentment. Well, says the preacher, banish that kind of anxiety from your heart. Be happy and be at peace. Throw that kind of anger away. Put it behind you. Do you know how you can be at peace? The only way that you can learn that is through humility. Young people are idealistic and they have a keen sense of justice. They're able to see all the things that are wrong with the world, with their parents, with their teachers, with their peers, with the office bearers in the church, with their brothers and sisters in the Lord. And they have all the answers. But do you know what the problem is? The problem is with such people is that they are just as sinful as their parents and as all those in authority over them, but they don't see it. And so when you're young, you better learn to be gracious and to be forgiving and to be understanding and to be humble. You have to learn to bear with the weaknesses of all those whom God has placed in your path. You have to do that because you also have to learn to deal with your own weaknesses in the first place. With God, there is an enormous amount of forgiveness. There is no end to it. And that forgiveness is given to you because of the wonderful gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today is Ascension Day and we may remember that the Lord Jesus Christ rose into heaven and that now he is seated at the right hand of God the Father to intercede for us. He is also there to intercede for you so that you can have the forgiveness of sins. But you must also be able to forgive the sins of others. Also your parents, also your peers who have hurt you. Banish anxiety from your heart. The Lord Jesus says that when we ask God to forgive us our sins, that we must also be able to forgive the sins of others. Banish anxiety from your heart, the teacher says. Be joyful. Don't be angry. Look at yourself first. If you want to be angry about something, be angry about the fact that you yourself sin all the time. And bring that before the Lord and ask Him for forgiveness. And the Lord God will forgive you. And that will give you peace. And don't be resentful. Don't think about everything that's wrong with everybody and about all the wrong things that happen to you. Oh, sure. There's lots of things that happen to you in this life. But don't be anxious about it. Be happy. There are so many good things that happen to you. Learn now already, when you are young, to put things into a proper perspective. And learn to be happy in whatever circumstances God has placed you. Paul learned that lesson. At the end of his life... Humanly speaking, he was in miserable circumstances. He was spending his days in jail and hardly had a coat to keep him warm. But what does he say? He says in Philippians 4 verse 11, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. You can say that he has learned to be happy whatever the circumstances. And the preacher also says that you must cast off the troubles of your body the King James Version says that you must put evil away from your flesh and the RSV that you must put pain away from your body you know what the preacher is saying here he is talking about those things that will harm your body and there are many things that will harm you loud music being piped into your ears for example excessive alcohol drugs, tobacco. Those things may not all cause you pain at the moment, but they will in the end. You won't live as long, and you'll have health problems for the rest of your life. People who smoked heavily throughout their life end up with oxygen tanks by the time they're in their 60s and 70s, or they die at an early age of cancer. The the excessive use of alcohol will give you cirrhosis of the liver. Drugs will even kill you sooner. The preacher wants you to keep a lid on your sinful desires. Don't think you're indestructible. Keep a lid. Keep a lid on your desire, young man, to drive too fast. Keep a lid on your sexual desires. Learn to control your sinful desires while you are young. It will serve you well. And when you get older... For when you get older, it will become harder and harder to break with old habits. Wrong friends will also harm you. They will lead you away from God. Be especially careful not to choose an ungodly marriage partner. That will not only harm you throughout your life, but also your children and your grandchildren. You will regret it for the rest of your life. The Lord blesses in the generations, but He also curses in the generations. We even heard that this morning when we read the commandments. Be careful. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Allow your parents and your teachers and your office bearers to instruct you. Think about what God wants from you. Be watchful. We come to the third point. The preacher makes a very important statement in this text. He says... Know that for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. The preacher uses the singular tense here. God will bring you into the judgment. He is referring to the final judgment. He wants you to enjoy life to the fullest. But God will hold you accountable. And therefore he says in verse 1 of chapter 12, Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. In other words, your joy must always be tempered by the knowledge of God's impending judgment on all men. We all know what we refer to when we speak about 9-11. 9-11 refers to that fateful day when thousands of people were killed when two airplanes steered by terrorists plunged into the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center in New York. Since 9 a lot of things have changed. Recently, my wife and I traveled to the United States and visited Washington, the capital city of the United States. And you saw security all around you. There were safety barriers all around The reminder of 9-11 is all around us, also in Canada. When you board a flight nowadays, you are carefully checked to make sure that you are not carrying any weapons or bombs. The authorities want you to remember 9-11. They want to protect the innocent in society, for they know that there are many terrorists out there intent on destroying the free world. And they want everyone to be vigilant. Well, says the preacher, remember your Creator. He will destroy those who are intent on evil, but He will protect those who are innocent. He does not want God's covenant children to perish, along with those who are out to destroy God's kingdom. He does not want the terrible judgment that will fall upon them all to fall upon you. And so, as you go through life, think about the coming judgment. The final judgment is going to be a lot worse than any terrorist attack here on earth. Conduct yourself in such a way that you will not experience the horrible fate of those who do not want to be part of God's kingdom. Oh sure, enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself to the fullest. There is so much to enjoy. But stay within the parameters of God's safety barriers. Remember your Creator as you make your choices in life, as you choose your friends, as you choose the manner in which you make a living, as you choose how to conduct yourself over against your loved ones. Remember your Creator as you make your choices in life. But remember the Lord your God, your Creator, as a loving God who wants to protect you. God gives you restrictions and safety barriers for your own good. He doesn't want you to be blown to smithereens. He wants you to be safe. Within God's safety boundaries, there are so many things to enjoy. As a matter of fact, only those things that God gives you to enjoy have lasting enjoyment. Remember your Creator and your youth, and you will be happy no matter what life will bring. Amen.